0: So right now they are passing out to you two little coins. I got a check right here. Uh, I'm going to do some talking while they do that. Everybody take two of those. Um, it's a reverse offering, OK? <laughs> don't take more than two because I got 500 of them. And I, did, I counted this out. Um, so if you get to the end and some of you don't have two, I'll make good on it later. Make it happen. Help him out, guys. I have in my hand here a check. For two cents, I thought this was the most brilliant check I could ever get. Now uh, I, I got this check and it said, "Here's my two cents. Leave the, <laughs> Here's my two cents. Leave the church service at nine o'clock, please. That's what it said." Well, we're gonna. i already told you how that's gonna work. we'll, we'll have an early service in the fall. But I love that. You want to put in your two cents? Uh, <laughs> I, I did. It worked. I've looked at that check for a while. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna cash that check. I'm going to cash and put two cents in right there. Well, you know, the phrase, your two cents, uh, that's been around for at least 100 years. Where uh, That's the way of saying, here's my humble opinion. Can I put my two cents in here? And if you wiki that, you'll see, oh, you know where uh, they think that got started? Yeah, all the way back in Luke, chapter. whoever does research on phrases, I don't know. But uh, you can believe it because it's on the internet, uh, Wiki right? Um, started all the way back in Luke chapter 21, which we're going to talk about, about the, the lady who took her two leptas, they're called. Um, we call them minas, which just means small, the smallest measurement. And she gave it as an offering. You know the, uh, you know the story. And what you have in your hand, if you're getting them right now, uh, are they're not real. Uh, those are replicas, just so you know. Um, these are real. Those two right there, uh, are real, and, and uh, they are actually two little leptas, uh worth, le- worth less than a cent uh, at that now they 're worth a little bit more. Uh, i'm sure these are the two that she actually put in the offering i 'm pretty sure i 'm pretty sure but that's what but i 'm going to put them right here um, and uh, they 're from the period, and uh, while this lady's two cents she 's going to put her two cents in today. And I think if you will receive what uh, this widow's two cents has for you, there's some real hope and, uh, uh, and some real encouragement. How about the small things are big things, and there's hope. Uh, so uh, we're going to let her put her two cents in and uh, um, and read that in just a second. Everybody got one? Do we have extras? Anybody didn't get two? Because what I want you to do, I want you to just basically hold those in your hands as we talk about it and think about what those represent. Those are yours to keep. You don't have to give them back unless you want to, um, or anything like that. That's the widow's, you know, minas. They call it the widow's might. Well, I respelled it. You can see it right there on your on your uh, bulletin. The, the widow's M-I-G-H-T, might, because she is a big deal instead of a small deal. So I want you to see that. So uh, what I'd like to do is pick this up where Daniel um, left off uh, last week, great sermon, where um, <clears throat> the Sadducees had come to Jesus, and they thought they had the real question to uh, to nail him down and trick him with this whole resurrection question about marriage and seven brothers and what's, who's she married to at the end of this thing and. And Jesus just decimates them with this question, and it even, the, the answer to their question. And it even says uh, after that, no one dared ask Jesus, him any more questions. It was ironic that they were asking him a question about the resurrection, you might recall, because the Sadducees, they're the more secular Jews, the more liberal Jews. They don't even believe in a resurrection. They were asking him something they didn't even believe in. Uh, and uh, that was a great example of how, Je- uh, how Daniel last week, actually, I bet he likes it that I just called him Jesus. Um, <laughs> that's how it's supposed to work, right? I see Jesus on you, Daniel. I love the way he did that, how we can take those peripheral, peripheral issues, those theological things, those preference things, move them to the center, and what that does is that just kind of pushes Jesus out of the center, doesn't it? And so that was a great call last week to make the main thing the main thing, is what he said. Um, they couldn't answer any questions after that. They're trying to trick him. It's Tuesday of Holy Week. Jesus is going to die uh, Friday. So this is leading up. This is big-time drama, and I want to give you a little bit of the drama here. I think it will help us understand the widow's might. Um, no one, uh, in verse uh, chapter 20, verse uh, 40, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. By the way... If you want to uh, look in your uh, Ministry Center Bible, it's page 734, right there in the front of your your pew, if you want to follow along. So, uh, uh, then Jesus said to them, Why is it said that the Messiah is the Son of David? Well, they all know the answer to that. Because the Messiah is going to come through the Davidic lineage, the line of King David, because Messiah is going to be king. They all knew the answer to that. Okay, so uh, he is called David's son because of that. but And then G- Jesus adds this piece. This is the clincher for these guys. David himself declares in the book of Psalms, David wrote in verse, uh, it's at the end of 41, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus says, David calls him Lord. How can he... He, his son. Well, uh, I wanted you to get this uh, just so that your faith could be strengthened a little bit. Um, remember, we said two weeks ago when uh, we were created in his image, it says, Let us create man in our image, plural. There are, there are things laid in, uh, that the prophets and the psalms write, the psalmist write, that give you indication of what's coming and uh, how this God thing works. How is it that the Lord Yahweh says to my Lord Adonai, sit at my right side? And how is that God, that's God, those are two, it's referring to God right there. How does that God then, then uh, be a son of David. They were supposed to get, their minds were supposed to, you're supposed to get like a GF on your your phone and go, boosh, supposed to blow up, really? What does that mean? You know what that means, what we've been learning all along, all the way through the book, that he is man and he is God. The Messiah is a much bigger deal than you thought. You thought the Messiah was to come and the Messiah was to work out the agenda, make the temple great, kick the Romans out and all of that. No, he's much bigger than that. He's God and man. And so when he says this, there I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, if they got it at all, this is the words that killed him. Claiming to be God right there. So he drops that bomb. I just wanted you to have that because I think it's cool to see. Even Old Testament, you can see uh, how God is one. The Lord our God is one. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. That's the Shema. And he's three persons. The Holy Spirit we're going to pick up when we get to Acts. Jesus is laying the groundwork for that. And uh, then he says, okay, I wanted you to get this. I wanted you to get that. That's sort of a freebie about the Trinity. While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples. So there's this big crowd. He's just been in an argument with the Sadducees. He just hammered them with that question, and they're all going, oh, man, I don't know. Is he really God or is he man? I don't get it. And then um, he turns and says to the people, or, or to the disciples, where all the people can hear, <clears throat> Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. Beware of these guys because they, are, they want to be a big deal and everywhere they go, they make sure they're a big deal. And then it says, But they devour widows' houses. And for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished more severely. They devour widows' houses. Do you know in that culture, when uh, a husband died, if there were no sons or there were no brothers, there was no safety net. Because that, that, uh, that person's estate would be adjudicated by, uh, would like going to probate and, and ruled over by uh, the Jewish authorities, the teachers of the law. And since they knew how to work the law, They knew how to take control of those assets. This was not just a conceptual idea that Jesus was talking about here. This was actually happening. The very people who are arguing with Jesus are the people who are laying widows desolate. Their houses taking them away. And then it says they turn and they give these big prayers. It's not just that they're evil. They're in a system and a theology that they've got twisted around that they believe what they're doing they get to do. Beware of these people. If you got anything from the Old Testament, you ought to get something about the widows and the orphans that, that they're supposed to be taken care of by God's people. That's, and, and if you get anything from the Gospel of Luke, what we've learned from Jesus is he has a part for the poor. And so he's saying, watch out for these guys. Okay. I think that's significant as it relates to the rest of this this, uh, happening. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished more severely. Apparently he was looking down as he was saying this. Because it says in verse 21, can you get that up there? 21 verse 1. Give it a shot back there if you can, Peter. Either way, uh, he says, he looked up. And he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. So what happened was, he goes, he, he looked up, and he looked over. And they were in the court of women, it's called. It's an outer court of the temple. And it's uh, Passover week, and there are tens of thousands of people, as you know already, there uh, to worship over Passover. And so there are 13 jars, one uh, each one with a uh, Hebrew letter on it. And people are lined up uh, giving an offering to the temple, to the temple treasury. And he looks up and, he's, and he sees this. And I, I think he's looking for something. And he watches it. And, and I, I, you know, one thing I've, I've noticed as we've been studying it this time around in Luke, there's some space sometimes. I wonder if he stopped and he kind of looked for a while and continued looking. You know how if you're on the, in a city and you look up at the skyscraper and you start looking there, everybody's looking to see what's up there? I wonder if it took long, oh, a little while where everybody starts, to, what are you looking at? Because he's looking at all of the people. Now Mark says, all of the people and the rich. And, but here he's singling out the rich, putting in their offerings into the temple treasury as they were worshiping. And then it says in verse 2, he also saw a poor widow... Put in two very small copper coins, like the ones that are in your hand. So I wonder if he saw her in the line and wondered what was going to happen? Or if it was just a snapshot and she was already at the end of the line. I have a feeling she he looked over and they watched and she saw the line go up, he saw the line go up, and he saw her drop those coins in, and he knew what that was all about. He knew what those coins meant to her. And he saw her. Matter of fact, it says, and when it says in in your version, he saw a poor widow, Uh, the Greek uh, actually is more specific, he saw a certain poor widow. I like that because he was looking for this one. He had some insight into this one. And she dropped her coins in, and he saw her. And he says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had uh, to live on. You know, I have read this text for years, and honestly, when I get to it, I feel guilty. Every time I I get to it, I go, you know, I mean, I've been giving uh, for years. We, we faithfully give. And it's nothing like that. It's like, how do you step up to this level right here? We've given 10% of our money for years uh, for, and, and, you know, uh, and more. We give offerings sometimes. But this way, that's the bar, Jesus. Is that the bar here? Because, I mean, like, all of it? And I, I felt pretty guilty. Actually, you know, as you read it, he is not actually throwing the people under the bus who are giving He's actually not throwing the people who are giving out of the, their abundance under the bus. He's actually, I think there's two kinds of giving here. There's generous giving and there's sacrificial giving. Being generous uh, is not something that uh, God uh, wants to kick to the curb. And, I don't th- and he's not doing that here. He's not, as a matter of fact, I think he uh, appreciates it. But then he turns and he says, she gave, in, she gave more than the rest. So you're telling me, I mean, actually, um, obviously you can think about it a little bit more because uh, there must be some meaning on that. Because those two cents aren't equal to the $2 or the $20 or the $20,000 or the $200,000 that the people put. That's not equal. Are you just bad at math, Jesus? You know, I mean, because actually these two cents don't even buy those two cents I just gave you. You know, these two cents don't keep the lights on. You know? I mean, somebody had to give some money for this place to work. And you're saying that this is more than the others? Because, I mean, you know, money is influence, right? Money produces something. And there were some people who gave a whole lot of money to make that temple work. And Jesus is saying that's more that's awesome news that it is more, by the way. That's, a, that's an interesting thing. That apparently the currency of the kingdom is different than the currency of the world. I, obviously, when Bill Gates, the Gates Foundation, gives several billion dollars to stop blindness around the world and children with that vitamin deal. Is that awesome or what? That is completely awesome. Apparently a little old lady who has no hope is at the end of her rope can give as much as bill or more. Because in the kingdom, apparently the currency is different. It's more based on the sacrifice that goes with it It's kind of more based on how much you have and how much you sacrifice in relation to how much you have. This lady had nothing but two of these things and if she'd have been smart, she would have at least gotten something to eat before she was completely out and and starved to death. Practically, she is foolish. Matter of fact, if you think about the irony that this lady takes her two coins and she goes up and puts them where? In the jar. Who's going who's gonna to get the money out of the jar? The people who administrate the temple. They're the same, not the actual person, but certainly the class of the people who took her money. And I just lost a minor. Thank you. Good Better put them right back. <laughs> <in. laughs> yeah. Isn't that irony? Isn't that irony? So she obviously wasn't giving in to those guys. Matter of fact, uh, if she had any inkling of who they were, she would have uh, ran from there, right? And religious leaders, and, and we always have to be aware, he, he, these are the people that he's really slamming in the story, in the event. Not the rich people, and not the lady. It's the people who are taking the money and then administering it, and I guess taking her house. She's putting that I'm sure that's what Jesus was intending when he uh, said, well, watch out for these guys. I wonder if he even had this woman on his mind. The Holy Spirit said, there is a person who is getting ready to worship right now, who's had it all taken away. This is such good news, because if there was not an evil, uh, evil a level, get that rid of that evil word, level playing field for everyone to worship God with what they had, then only those with money would have the favor of God, which, by the way, is what their culture believed. You've been blessed by God because you have all those resources. Nobody would turn to this little widow and say you're blessed by God, because she had nothing. But if if it weren't this way, then um, I mean anybody can be generous towards God. That's why that tithe is so important, that first 10%, first fruits that we give. And we, you, know, you can do that whether you have a little bit of money or a lot of money. Oh, you say, it's not so easy when you have a little bit of money. Well, it's not so easy when you have a lot of money either. It's not easy no matter how much money you have. Actually, for different reasons. But if it were not a level playing field, then who can worship God? Anyone can be sacrificial. And apparently the value of the offering is based on the blood in the sacrifice, the tears in the sacrifice, and, and what you're giving up in it. I think it's beautiful that Jesus sees that. Don't you need to know that God sees you in whatever you're in? I need to know that. And he sees what you do. And your generosity is speaking a message to God. If it's love God and love people, love as just an ooey-gooey feeling, kind of fleeting. Here, I'm loving God today because worship was good. No, I think love has to do with trust, and trust has to do with sacrifice. If you're going to make love real, if you're going to make love real, you're going to have to trust, and it may cost you. Wow, this is a, this is a tough, tough message. And I, I but I gotta say, um, the widow, the widow's might in G H T, she is so strong and she is so big in the kingdom, apparently. I'm glad she's in here. Now, you would think that as she's coming up through the line, and you would you would think that somebody who has a lot of money and is gonna give a great offering. Uh, in those, one of those jars for the temple, tax is going to turn and go, hey, let me help you out. They're going to recognize, right? God's people ought to turn and, and say, I, I think this person needs some help. Maybe a lot of help. Where do you live? Oh, I know somebody. We can. Let's go get your estate back. I don't know. Somebody could have turned with influence and and helped her out. Maybe that's what was supposed to happen. But I do think it's interesting. She didn't get up to the top, up to the front. Maybe at the beginning, she's in that line, and she's thinking, I hope somebody sees me, because there's a lot of people with resources who could help me out in my situation, and maybe just somebody would give me something. But by the time she gets to the end, she's resolute, and she gets up to the jar, jar, and she puts it in. And what was her prayer as she put it in there? What was her prayer? Lord, it's yours. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go but here. And but you. I think the message of this lady, uh, she didn't always give like this. We don't always give like that. She's is in a particularly hard place in her life. And where does she go? She goes and worships God, and she gives, and she sacrifices, and she says, I, I, I can't do this anymore. That's what I'm seeing in this lady. I can't do this anymore. Now, you think as Jesus is watching, okay, boom, you are the ten thousand shopper. You got it. You did it. Hey, everybody, bring the treasury over here and get her some money. No, she, he lets, you know, I mean, right? We got money. Come on. Yeah. I just think it's fascinating that Jesus lets her walk away. Don't you? Did Jesus see her need and blow her off? No way! Cast your cares on him, it says, because he cares for you. He saw, he was pleased. He was pleased. The Bible says in Hebrews, it's impossible to please God without faith. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God, oh, it's all I have. I think she gave that through tears. This is not a parable. This actually happened. This is a real lady who was really in a bad spot. And Jesus saw her, and I believe that because of this, she will see Jesus, and she did. I don't know how. I do believe that it was between her and God, and that's why he let her leave, so it will be between you and I, and you watch. I will provide for you. I will be here for you. I believe God is desiring to run to this kind of generosity. Out of everything, he turns and sees the drama. They're trying to kill him, all this, trap him. Whew. he sees her. He sees her. She's not pathetic. She's heroic. Because she is the last of what she has is she's given. I, I, I can't... She is really kind of up there on the scale. You, you know what I mean? It, it's, hard, it's hard to even um, tap into the amount of trust that she's putting out here to say, God, it's no longer my problem. It's your problem Maybe she got it from, uh, there's precedence for this, from the Old Testament, right? There's a drought, uh, a widow then with a son, talking about Elijah uh, in Elijah's day, and uh, she has enough flour to uh, uh, make some bread, and she says, we're going to make bread, son, and then we're going to eat it, and then we're going to starve to death after that. And along comes Elijah and says, hey... Make me some bread. And she goes, can't do that. This is all we got. And then we're just going to make it and make me some bread. God will provide. She does that. God provides and, uh, and, and takes her out of this uh, situation. Well, maybe she was thinking about that. You've done it in the past. You've done it in the past. I need you to do it now. God, be here for me. Be here for me. I, 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 have, to, I have to say, you know, um, she speaks to us whether it's financial or not. This is not really a message about giving so much deeper if you capture the heart of this woman. Have you, are you at the end of your rope on anything? Most of us may be moving around in, in the abundance of what we have, and things may be going just perfect right now, and you're giving out of the abundance that you have. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. He says thank you. I want to affirm you. Sometimes we're in that season, but sometimes we're in a season where we're at the end of our rope. Sometimes we're in a season where we don't have any answers. You know, God's address is at the end of your rope. But what happens? Lord, I give it to you. I don't have much. I've tried as hard as I can to get the approval of these people, and I can't. I've tried as hard as I can to reconcile this relationship, and I can't. I've tried as hard as I can, and I just keep getting sicker. I've tried as hard as I can and things just keep going the wrong way. This is not how I planned it. This is not how it should be. Have you ever been in that season? It might be financial, but it might be something else. It might be emotional. It might be circumstantial. It could be any of that. That's the message of take the two cents when you got nothing left. And put it in the jar for God. Say, God, here, I, I need you to take this because I can't do it. I need you, to, I, you if you have to see me. I believe that you're in control. And you, Lord, I can trust you in this. I just believe it's hard to do that until we're at the end of ourselves sometimes. And he sees that offering. Take my heart, Lord. He sees that and he rushes to you. And he said, I love you. I got you. I'm with you. I care about you. I've seen you. I see you now. Mm. That is good news. That is good news. That's, That's her two cents. That's her two cents for you. Is that you can trust him. That's, that's her two cents for you, that you, it, 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 probably uh, many of you right now, I know, things are not as they should be. This doesn't seem right, whatever you're in. I think there's hope that God says, oh, let's walk together in this. I am here for you. Be generous towards me. Because you see, Jesus, <clears throat> what he did was he put it all out there. He held nothing back. It was, it was complete sacrifice for you so that you could give it whatever that is to him and you could have hope. That's just great news. That is great news. As you take communion today, with those in your hand, I don't know what you're at the end of your rope on or at the end of your... Uh, or you maybe know somebody and you want to give it for them, I I just pray that symbolically you accept the wisdom of this lady, take it with gratitude and worship and recognize that God has got you and He cares for you. And let me pray that over you right now for those of you in that kind of season. first of all, Lord, forgive us, those of us who um, have kind of made a life of being a big deal. And, uh, uh, Lord, I know that uh, the currency of your kingdom is a, a broken heart, people who are poor in spirit. It says, Lord, those of us who are poor will see you, that we will see you, Lord. And I know that's because you first see us. And so I pray, Lord, that those of us right now who are in a season of uh, that's dark, where they could use some hope, or they've just kind of given up. Lord, I pray that you speak what is true to them right now, that you can be trusted, that you see them, that you will walk with them, that you are running to their aid, that you're bringing the kingdom That you're going to bring the kingdom through them. That they're a bigger deal than they know. We thank you so much that you gave everything for us. You held nothing back. You shed your blood for us. Gave your body for us. So I pray for those, Lord, We, out of our abundance, we love you, and we thank you so much for uh, the opportunity that we have to, to worship you out of that. But for those of us here right now, Lord, who have a broken and contrite heart and spirit, I pray.